What's up? I'm Sam, and this is Seek More, a podcast featuring personal growth, spiritual growth, and learning lessons from the common experience. Welcome to this week's lesson from the common experience, where we will be looking at the life of the typical person and discern what can be learned. So sorry for not posting last week. I was busy with final assignments and exams that I had little to no time to work on the podcast. So I was only able to put out the midweek devotional and the book breakdown. But I'm back and ready to hit the ground running. The episode today is named Into the Unknown, maybe, as we talk about looking ahead and planning for the future. For those who were with us last time for the episode, Out with Thanksgiving, In with Christmas, you may be going, um, what? Weren't you talking about how we should be experiencing the present moment and slowing down, not focusing on what is to come? Well, that is true. Understand I was by no means suggesting that one should simply cease looking forward, but rather calling people to stop obsessing about it as we lose sight of what is right in front of us. Things often should be balanced out, and this is certainly true when it comes to this topic. One should live in the current moment and think out what the future looks like. I mean, of all times of the year, is this not when we are quote-unquote supposed to? Christmas is on Sunday, and six days later is going to be New Year's Eve. The end of the year is upon us, and the beginning of the next is practically here. It's crazy to think about how fast things are going to switch up. For the last month, though if we are honest, more like the last two or three months, we as a society have been consumed by Christmas. We've all been going through the hustle and bustle that present shopping is, where we are trying to figure out our gift-giving formula and act accordingly. Budget times the person's relation to me times how much I like them equals whatever gift. Of course, I'm kidding about the formula. Treat others as you want to be treated. But if we are honest, I'm guessing that you didn't put as much effort into finding a gift for Uncle Lester than for your niece, Annie. I bet you went out of your way searching every conceivable store to get some specific Barbie doll with the blue turquoise sparkly pants that burps on command or whatever. But when it came to Uncle Lester, you grabbed the nearest gift card you could find and said, I think he likes Chick-fil-A. This should be fine. Just saying. We've also been doing all the cool Christmas activities that come with the season. Going ice skating, caroling, making gingerbread houses, seeing whose house blinds the most people with their Christmas display, and on and on and on. While these are all inherently supposed to be leisurely by nature, we take them at the most intense level ever. At least here in America. On the ice rinks, even the outside public ones, I bet you will find 10 people acting like they are in the Olympics, jumping and trolling all over the place while the rest of us peasants struggle to keep ourselves upright, though now we are determined not to embarrass ourselves in front of these great displays of talent. With going about the neighborhood to Carol, every group acts like they're pentatonics, going full acapella with a wide range of voices, doing harmonies and melodies to a point that you wonder if everyone had to do choir growing up. Don't even get me started on gingerbread houses. Just Google search gingerbread houses and take it all in. The images are crazy in my opinion. Not that they're bad by any means, but ridiculously impressive, as I'm the kind of guy that gets one of those packs with six pieces of gingerbread, plus defrosting, and if I can get it to stand up for 10 seconds without falling, I call that a success. 
Also, Christmas lights. What is with the spectrum of goals ranging from the extreme of making houses look like they're Santa's North Pole if he was rich, to the extreme of houses looking like they brought the sun to Earth? I mean, I think most people would be okay if you only had a few blow-ups and a few strings of lights. I don't think they want to be absolutely crushed for being middle or lower class, or be blind for the next week. But you know what's really interesting? Is the fact that once January hits, all this Christmas spirit is just gone. Almost non-existent. Sure, there's talk about how Christmas was and how people spent it, but that's it. You may be thinking, well, yeah, Christmas is over. Isn't that to be expected? Of course it is. But with how much effort that was put into it all, you'd expect it to fizzle out over a longer period of time. But no, it is all gone in a blink of an eye. The Christmas lights are no longer up, overpriced Christmas desserts are no longer stocked, people are going back to their regular lifestyles, and Mariah Carey goes back into hibernation. So, okay, what's the big deal? What is causing this to be the case? Well, there is one answer, and one answer only. The New Year is upon us, and it's time to break out the New Year's resolution. That's right, New Year's resolutions. One of the weirdest traditions that I think that we do. I mean, it makes sense given that the New Year for many is a way of starting over, starting fresh, and doing better than the year prior. However, the issue is, how often do people actually hold to these goals? Thus, the meme that is this tradition. A while back, I became curious if there are any statistics on how many people make and hold to these resolutions. While there are some conflicting claims and percentages, I'm going to let you know of a few that seem rather credible. 38.5% of U.S. adults set New Year's resolutions every year. 23% will quit in the first week, and only 36 will make it past the first month. Only 9% successfully keep their New Year's resolutions continuously. 9%. 9%. This is absolutely mind-blowing. We talk a big game about making a change, but when it comes to follow-through, we fail big time. I mean, we know that we can do better, but when it comes to enacting it, we are way too prone to giving up. Before we even start. Hear this statistic, 43% of people expect to give up their goals by February. What? You're telling me that people are making goals for the year, for their lives, and they are already from the onset are saying they aren't going to make it to the second month. There's no words to be said. I don't even know what excuses we can give for this. So why am I talking about this? Why am I making such a big deal? Here's the reason. I think there is an issue when it comes to planning for the future that we have to deal with that is so easily identifiable with the treatment of New Year's resolutions. I'm not talking about 35% of people losing motivation, how people don't have good stimulus control or willpower, or how people struggle to bounce back from setbacks. I'm not even talking about how many of us aren't ready to fully commit. I mean, 48% of people setting New Year's resolutions want to exercise more. But we all have been stuffing our bellies full with 50 pounds worth of delicious food for the last two months. So we know that it's not going to work out so well. No, what I'm talking about is the issue of us being afraid of what's to come, afraid of the unknown. 
This is why I think is very much at the core of why goals fail and our plans end up coming to nothing. It's quite ironic to me, as we're so excited about the future, as we can tell by our over-willingness to just move on from Christmas and focus on the next year. Yet, we are equally as afraid. You may be thinking, Psh, most people are not afraid of the future. Where is that idea coming from? How at all do you have that impression when it comes to New Year's resolutions? Let me ask, do you like thinking about the future? For quite a few, they will say, sure, they like thinking about where they'll be in the next few years. Okay, but what about that do you like thinking about? To this, many people will say they can't wait for when they are married with kids, with a stable job, with a house to call their own, and on and on and on in relation to whatever their current life stage is. Well, this is all great. What about the hard times? What about the boring and minutiae? What about the struggles and obstacles that you will have to face? Not so comfortable, is it? This is what I'm talking about. It is very easy to focus on the good parts of life and what we are striving for. But when it comes to the dirty work, the day in and day out, the valley you'll have to walk through to get there, it is better left out of mind and out of sight. We are afraid of the pain, the suffering, and the normalcy of what is to come. We recognize that the journey is going to be tough, and we would rather not struggle through it. But this is the very issue of New Year's resolutions. We want to improve, we want to change for the better, we want to grow as people, yet we know what we have to do to get to that point, and we get cold feet. But it isn't only about the pain itself, it is also the fact that we don't know what the future holds, which is inextricably tied with the former. That may sound confusing, but let me demonstrate. What is it going to take for you to start losing weight? You might say, I need to eat healthy and need to start going to the gym. Okay, but what does that look like? Well, I gotta go look at some local workout places and look into some affordable diets. Okay, but what is it going to be like going through that? What are you going to have to do day in and day out? I don't know. I haven't done it yet. What is it going to take for you to start being more present for your family? You might say, I need to take more time off and be able to plan out my schedule better. Okay, but what does that look like? Well, I got to have some conversations at work and sit down to work through a calendar so I can prioritize correctly. Okay, but what is that going to be like going through that? What are you going to have to do day in and day out? I don't know. I haven't done it yet. What is it going to take for you to be more open-minded? You might say, I need to read broadly, speak with different people, and learn more about other ideas and views, while recognizing that I'm not always going to be right. Okay, but what does that look like? Well, I'm going to have to sit down and research to see what materials I can go through and go out and seek intentional conversations with others that dive deeper than the surface. Okay, but what is it going to be like going through that? What are you going to have to do day in and day out? I don't know. I haven't done it yet. What is it going to take for you to be a better person? I need to do A, B, and C. Okay. But what does that look like? Well, I will need to do 1, 2, and 3. Okay. But what is it going to be like going through that? What are you going to have to do day in and day out? I don't know. I haven't done it yet. 
You see, the reality is this. It is easier to identify what needs to be done, but when it comes to how it actually is going to work out is one of the hardest things. Why? Because you don't know how it is going to go. It could be a success. It could be a failure. It could go as planned. It could go far off the rails. You don't know, and that is a terrifying proposition. I truly believe that's why 43% of people expect to give up on their goals by February. Before they even start the journey, they think that they are already not going to make it. Most likely, there is a thought of, I have never succeeded in the past. Why would I now? Or, I don't think I have the strength to move forward. So why would I think that I could? But I bet you, there is an underlying thought of, I don't know what my life is going to be like. So how could I possibly know whether this is going to pay off? You can have all the ideas, but when it truly comes down to it, you aren't going to know what the valley is like until you walk into it. We as humans don't like what we don't know. We fundamentally hate being in the dark and in the unknown, which is exactly what the future holds until we reach it. Goals, in one sense, requires the individual to set out the path into the middle of nowhere in the search of betterment, but it demands something many see as a heavy price. Risk. This is where people become stuck where they are at, as they get caught up too much in the unknown, unable to take the first step, consciously or subconsciously. But as people, we know that we have to nonetheless. How do we expect to get anywhere, let alone anywhere healthy or better, if we aren't actively pursuing that road? Growth, improvement, being the best we can be, does not come from waiting around for it to happen. It only happens when we are willing to move forward in the face of adversity and walking out the journey. But how do we overcome this fear of the future? How do we practically take a step in the right direction, not hindered by what could, but motivated by what should? Well, consider these three things as we start to end. Number one, visualize a positive outcome. It can be hard to think positively of what is to come, but can you visualize the outcome that you want? Visualization is not just daydreaming about the best possible result but actually projecting the reality that you want in a deliberate way. This isn't to say that you can speak into reality things as you desire, but what I am saying, rather, is that if you take the practice to think about what you are hoping for, you will naturally start taking the route that is required for that result as you proceed the walk to talk. Thus, you are no longer inhibited by yourself asking the question, what if it goes wrong? because you aren't even thinking about it in the first place. Number two, always remember you have fight in you. We've all felt defeated. We've all had our failures or met obstacles we struggled to get past. But guess what? You can have the courage. This doesn't mean you'll never feel defeated again, but rather you will continue on even in the face of that risk, despite what you might feel. At the end of the day, no one can make you courageous. Only you can. In order to face your future, you must believe you can and remember you've made it this far. So there is no reason why you can't take one more step, and another, and another, and so on. Number three, consider keeping a diary. At one point or another, we all experience hindsight bias, 
which is our tendency to look back at an event that we could not predict at the time and think that the outcome was easily predicted. We will look back at the past at certain events and not even remember the anxiety we felt leading up to them. Rather, we'll think that it wasn't that bad. Isn't it ironic that we look forward with the fear of the future then? The reality is that things are never as bleak as they seem in the midst of anxiety, which is why keeping a diary can help give you a realistic perspective of what is to come as you reflect on what you've been through in the past. How? It's because you will realize just how much you've already survived and how the fear you once had did not come true as you had thought. So why would you think the same about what is ahead? This isn't to say that you should never feel nervous or scared about the future, but approach it with a perspective that is honed by experience, which will help you realize that you got this and you are strong enough. It's natural to feel uncertain and hesitant when it comes to setting goals and making changes in our lives. The unknown can be intimidating, and it's easy to focus on the challenges and struggles we may face along the way, causing hesitation when it comes to setting goals and making changes in one's life. However, it's important to remember that the journey towards improvement and growth is worth the risk. While we may not know exactly what the future holds, we can approach goal setting with a growth mindset and be open to the possibility of change. It's okay to be uncertain about the future, but it's more important to remember that we can't let that uncertainty hold us back from pursuing our goals and striving for improvement. It's okay to make mistakes and face challenges along the way, as these setbacks can provide valuable learning experiences and help us become stronger. At the end of the day, by embracing the unknown and stepping out of our comfort zones, we can make meaningful progress towards achieving our goals and becoming the best version of ourselves. With that, thank you so much for joining me here on the Seek More podcast. I hope you were able to walk away with something to think about this week or a lesson that you might even be able to apply as you continue through this crazy season. Join us for another lesson from the common experience in two weeks and make sure to tune in to the other episodes that I also publish, such as Book Breakdown and Midweek Devotion, as I am sure that you can take away something from them that can help you on your journey. Consider joining us as we discuss irrelevance and the antidote for it in this week's Book Breakdown of Didn't See It Coming by Carrie Moore, which was posted along with this episode today. Once again, thank you so much 